welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And today we're discussing a film that has been on my watch list for so many years. I've been dying to watch this film. I knew it would be a great podcast choice. Yeah. And hopefully I'm right. Um, it's got everyone in it. Yes. <laughs> and I think this is why it was on my watch list for so long. Because it has so many of my favourite B-movie actors in it. It's The Demolitionist. Yes. From 1995? Yes. Um, 1995. Weird time to still be making Robocop ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, what, seven, eight years removed? Yeah. From Robocock? Uh-huh. So I... Did you say Robocock? No, I did not say Robocock. like you did. Um, so this was a film you brought me for my birthday? Or was it Christmas? Um, I think it was Christmas. So I had never heard of this before you brought me it. <laughs> and I'm disappointed by that because I wish I watched it sooner. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like I may have to explain myself on this one. <laughs> Because I've just said how long I've been wanting to watch it and I bought it you as a gift. Um, Me and Gary, as you probably know from listening to the podcast, have very similar tastes and very similar interests. And when it comes to birthdays and Christmases, um, it's often that we will give each other what we call 75-25% gifts. <laughs> So that gift was 75% for Gary, because I knew he'd love it, but 25% for me, because I've been dying to watch the film <laughs> for many years. Yes. And it tends to happen, and sometimes we uh, buy each other the same gift. So yes. It's happened a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I've, I felt like I had to maybe defend myself <laughs> a little bit, because I didn't sound um, quite right. It's a great gift. Um... <laughs> yeah. Great film, though, on the other hand. Uh, I don't think this is intentionally good. Oh, it's stupid as fuck. <laughs> yeah, no. It's shocking, because this is written and directed by Robert Kurtzman. Now, he's the director of Wishmaster, The Rage, Not Carry 2, Buried Alive, and Deadly Impact. But he's more well-known for being as part of the makeup department for From Dust Till Dawn, Doctor Sleep, The Haunting of Hill House, The Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Scream, Pulp Fiction, Ma, The Faculty. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. So, fairly prolific name within the film industry. Um, uh, and, as, I mean, as you said, you know, cast full of genre icons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is, it's, it's not good, girls. <laughs> No. <laughs> I, I mean, there's some good things in here. Like, I, you know, one performance in particular, I, I believe a certain actress knew what she was doing. Um, but a lot of it, this, this definitely falls into the trash to pieces of genre cinema. It it does. It's a, it's a B-movie. It that, is. That's what it but is. But that's the thing. And that's why sometimes I'm torn to say it's a trash to piece. Because, I mean, technically it is a trash to piece. Um... And, and I don't think it is good. I don't know if this is what they set out to make. I don't know if they wanted it to be funny. But then there's some moments where I'm like, is it intentional? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think the intention is to be... Because I, I, I don't think having that 
filmography uh, within special effects and that makeup department. I don't think that necessarily lends itself to directing and writing no. and, and such. But there has to be some sort of knowledge there and the kind yeah. of the realisation that, you know, what he wrote, because he always wrote, always and also wrote the story. Yeah. That knowing that what he wrote was number one, a Robocop ripoff. Uh huh. And number two, a quintessential B movie. Yeah. So it keeps within those boundaries of what a B movie should be. It doesn't try to be more than it is. Um, there are moments that are a, a bit baffling. Yeah. So I think they're your trash to piece moments. But I think it knows what it is. Yeah. It's co-written by Brian DeMusio and Dino Vindeni. Uh, they wrote The Way We Weren't, Moonbase, Voodoo, Little Witches and more. And also written by Anne Kurtzman, uh, who didn't write anything else. Uh, but she was the producer of My First Mister and The Rage. Jingle All The Way, she was the uh, Turbo Man suit coordinator. Nice. And she worked on VFX for, uh, though she was the project coordinator, for Hostel, Devil's Rejects, The Spirit, Boogeyman Free, and Undead or Alive, A Zombody. Yeah. So, I, I assume she's some sort of relation to Robert Kurtzman? It didn't appear that they were married, so I think brother and sister, potentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Robert Kurtzman was founder with Greg uh, Nicotero and Howard Berger of the KNB uh, effects group, which worked on a lot of yeah. films and you know, before this and after this. So I think she may have been involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, like that thinking, there's four people involved in the writing process for this film. And some <laughs> of the dialogue here, it's something. There's a lot of quotes I've got in my notes here. <laughs> Made on a budget of $1 million, uh, which I think went into the final death scene. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I couldn't find out how much it made. So I don't know if it was straight to video or... It had a limited theatrical release before debuting on VHS. Okay. So I think it wanted to be a theatrical film, but then ended up being pretty much a Uh straight-to-video sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the extensive cast. Yes. In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. So starting with Nicole Eggert, who plays Alyssa Lloyd in the lead role. Uh, she was in Charles in Charge, Blown Away, Baywatch, The Haunting of Morella, Decoys, Boy Meets World, The Price of Kissing, The Clueless TV Show, and more. So I haven't seen her in anything else. No, she was most famous for Baywatch. Yeah. So I think this was her... This was... After she left Baywatch. So yeah. I think this was meant to be in some way her breakout role. <laughs> I think the idea of, you know, Baywatch and sort of them being known as pretty girls running. Um, I think that was maybe the reason she was cast. Yeah. Um, that sort of translation to, you know, action star mm-hmm. from Baywatch. And the potential that she might be scantily clad whilst doing so, yeah, I think was a selling point, because beautiful lady, beautiful. 
but this performance that's not the one. It's not it's not good girls. No. <laughs> um neither is the performance by Bruce Abbott Ooh. as uh Professor Jack Crowley, uh of course, star of Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, Interzone, Tag the Assassination Game, Bad Dreams, Murder She Wrote, Summer Heat, and more. Um he definitely ham. what do you what do you think he brought to his pet lunch? Ha- um, ham, sandwiches. ham sandwiches. Ham sandwiches. He is, is a fucking up a carbonara for everyone <laughs> yeah. on set. Uh and he is bringing all of that ham. Yes. I mean but <laughs> there's another actor coming up we're gonna talk about who does that and does a good job of it. He does not. No. Like he, he kinda hams it up in reanimator, let's face it. But in a different way that works. Here it does not work. Um, no. I mean, his character doesn't need to... I mean, um, no, his character... I suppose it actually makes what is quite a boring character into something a little more interesting. But I don't think the intentions were to no. have up so, quite so much. Uh, the iconic Heather Langenkamp is here as Gail with I mean, Christy Carafus. <laughs> <laughs> Christy Carafus. My favourite news reporter. Uh, my second favourite news reporter from the 90s. Uh, and she... Oh, what about um, April O'Neil? She's, she's absolutely giving she's April giving O'Neil. O'Neil. She's giving yeah, April let's, O'Neil. Let's make no mistake. This is a superhero film, by the way. A superhero yeah. horror film. Yeah. Um. Uh, now, we obviously scrapped Shitty Superheroes Month for a good reason. It was fucking one of the worst months we've ever had. It was had so painful. It was dreadful. Um... We should have absolutely discussed this during that month. <laughs> it would have would have uh, been a nice little break from the shit we had to discuss. Uh, but yeah, Heather Langenkamp, of course, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you know, star of Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street, Free Dream Warriors, and New Nightmare, Just the Ten of Us, The Midnight Club recently, uh, Tonya and Nancy, The Inside Story, and more. Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, uh, Heather Langenkamp's husband is uh, a very successful Oscar-winning special effects um, guy. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Artist. Yeah. Um, makeup artist. Um, and Robert Kurtzman had worked on New Nightmare. So I think he just kind of said, I've got a role for you, Heather. <laughs> It won't take long. It'll take you a couple of days. Are you free? <laughs> After New Nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Kurtzman worked with Heather Langenkamp's husband on uh, Men in Black, mm-hmm. I think, as well. So I think definitely it's a friend of a friend yeah. situation or, or, you know, people knowing each other within the business. Um, and I'm very thankful for it because I loved... <laughs> Uh, in that performance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the biggest scene stealer of the film, and someone who I fully believe gave a very intentionally camp and hammy performance, is Susan Tyrell as Mayor Eleanor Grimbon. Um, star of Crybaby, Andy Warhol's Bad, Forbidden Zone, Fat City, Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, Angel, Flesh and Blood, and lots more. Yeah, Oscar nominee for Fat City. Um, just a legend, a queen. I She's a queen of cult cinema. She is 
a legend. I love yeah. her, and I she is never. She was nominated for an Oscar. That's so random. she was, yeah, yeah, quite early on. Fat City, I think, was early seventies. Um, but yeah, I mean, just really, just wonderful. I I love everything I've ever seen her in. She's just given the most incredible performances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really, so good. Yeah, love her. Uh, of course, Tom Savini's here. <laughs> Yeah. As Roland, um, a quiet performance. You know, we again listen to this podcast. You will know Tom Savini is uh, a horror legend in the makeup department, special effects, uh, but also star of From Dust Till Dawn, Martin, Dawn of the Dead, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Night Riders, Maniac, Zach and Mary make a porno, and lots more. Zach and Mary make a porno. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> my favourite of his roles. And <laughs> um, finally, Jack Nance uh, plays Father Mackenzie, star of Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Dune, Wild at Heart, Twin Peaks, Meatballs 4, Whore, The Blob Remake, and many more, including Old Fashioned Spankings oh, with Jack Nance. So this is post-Old Fashioned Spankings as well. Um, he looks like he's ready to give some Old Fashioned Spankings. He, well, yeah. He looked like he was ready. Um, yeah, obviously another legend. But again, you know, I've narrowed that down. This yeah. cast like goes on forever. This... Yeah, we've got cameos from uh, Sarah Douglas, who was in Superman one and two. Mm. Um, Joseph Pilato, who's in Day of the Dead. Andrus Jones, who was in Nightmare on Elm Street four, Dream Master. He was. The is he the swish swish fish guy? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh also Richard Greco. Um now I've never seen anything that he was in, but when I've been doing my research about um erotic TV thrillers from the nineties, he pops up a lot, I think. When you've been doing your research doing about research. erotic thrillers. You know, you know I'm uh, starting an erotic thriller Friday. <laughs> I think it's in quite a few of them. So, yeah. Uh, also, seen his face again. Also, Derek Mears, who would go on to play Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th remake. Uh, Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm franchise. And Bruce Campbell. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll get to his very small role. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's talk about our feature presentation. If the war on crime is to be won, a lady cop must be reborn. I can offer you a second chance. Do you want that chance? And a new era of law enforcement must begin. Hell has no fury like a woman transformed. And the only angel will be a cop who's part lady, part machine, and the ultimate blonde bombshell, The Demolitionist, starring Nicole Eggert and Richard Grieco. Yeah, so we start with Jack Nance as Father Mackenzie. He's telling a couple of criminals to repent their sins before their imminent execution. Uh, the two criminals are Mad Dog Byrne and his brother Little Henry Byrne. Uh, but they aren't so repentant, though. They, uh, they're choosing to instead watch an old kaiji movie on the TV and read Fangoria magazines. Yeah. Including a uh, Fangoria magazine, uh, magazine featuring Heather Langenkamp on the cover. Uh-huh. 
Speaking of Heather Langenkamp, she stars as Christy Carruthers, and uh, she's on the TV reporting the news, spilling the tea, and helping us with the plot. Oh, the she film. describes the entire plot. <laughs> So uh, she's like, girls, apparently they're, uh, these two lads are on death row for a mall robbery and a massacre of uh, six people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what constitutes a massacre, <laughs> but it's six six people that they killed. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, that's Small true. Small body count. That's true. And uh, she also tells us that the, uh, that only Mayor Eleanor Grimbaum can save these two from their execution. Um, well, she says only a phone call from only her. Only a phone call from her. So naturally. <laughs> naturally, we cut to a phone call from Mayor Grimbaum, played by the legendary Susan Tyrell. And uh, she's on the phone, but she's on, to, on the phone to a Mr. Lee. And uh, why is she on the phone to Mr. Lee, Gary? It's not too late, is it? It's Grimbaum. Thank God. Add a sesame chicken and a Pork rice to that, will you? Mmm, fried. <laughs> <laughs> they they knew what they were doing. And they oh my god, her facial doing. expressions are so fucking calm. Uh, oh, she's um, her hair is she's got very short bob. Um, she's got very harsh makeup on. She was, oh, I, I think, Susan Tyrell was always quite famous for her quite harsh makeup. Particularly an angel. Yeah, she's got a great wardrobe in there. So uh, many pantsuits. So many pantsuits. Um, I'm a little confused because Heather, when she's spilling the tea on the TV, she's telling us that they weren't convicted for the massacre itself, but they were convicted on anti-firearm charges. <laughs> so the whole idea and the whole sort of thing of the movie, and there is no message to the movie, um, which is a huge thing that differentiates it from Robocop. Yeah. Because Robocop had a message. This has no message whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea is that uh, the mayor has created a law banning all firearms. Yeah. Completely. So people are getting charged on firearm laws rather than the murders themselves, which I found just a little confusing. I mean, if that was, um, you know, if there is any, I, I hope there isn't an intended message in here because it kind of comes across as saying that if you banned firearms, this is what the state of the world would be. In. Yeah, I was a little concerned that the mayor would be the antagonist and... Well, because she acted like a pantomime villain. Yes. <laughs> But part of the reason she was the antagonist is because she was anti-firearms. And I was like, oh. It's, that's, if that is the intention, it's not clear. No. Um, she's, if anything, she's a bit like comic relief, yeah. to be fair. Um, I, if that's intentional. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the execution is set to begin in front of a very bored-looking audience of... I don't know, an audience and reporters, but they, they yeah. all look like they'd rather be somewhere else. And uh, the executioner comes along, or the warden comes along and says, uh, once you're cooked, should I serve you with potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> the warden played by Reggie Bannister. Yeah, to which Mad Dog replies, don't preheat your oven just yet. <laughs> uh then a lot of, happens. A lot happens, and one of the security guards, played by Tom Savini, turns on the other, kills him, and frees the brothers. 
and they end up executing the warden and Father Jack Nance instead. The sl- they then slaughter the audience, who are now looking a little livelier, <laughs> now they're being killed, <laughs> screaming. Um, but Father Jack Nance has urinated whilst being executed, and the urine causes little Henry Byrne to be electrocuted himself. Yeah, so much went on in this scene, I completely missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just this pool of pee moving towards him, and then he gets a... I'm not sure what the science behind it, because I don't know what shoes he was wearing. But, um, yeah, apparently, according to Google, pee does... I mean, if you pee on an electric uh, did fence... Did you actually research it? Well, no, if you pee on an electric fence, you get electrocuted. So the science holds up. I honestly... I dread to think what your Google search history looks like. <laughs> Friday Night Erotic Thrillers and Can Piss Kill You If You've Been Electrocuted. Also, How to Get Away with Murdering Your Fiance. Oh, mm. oh sorry, mm. sorry. <laughs> I, meant, I meant the Viola Davis TV yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> um, Next, we're treated to some topless dancers dancing outside, surrounded by stereotypical gangs and thugs. Uh, Mad Dog shows up, and uh, he said he's happy to see a bunch of drug addicts, degenerates, and whores. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a leather-clad biker delinquent stereotype. Um, he blames Mayor Grimbom for his mo- a brother, his not his mother's death, for his brother's death. And uh, he says, tonight we're going to rip the tits off that fucking bitch and see her (laughs) off. (laughs) I have to say, Mad Dog maybe gets the best dialogue throughout the film. (laughs) It's fucking Um, stupid. Undercover cop Alyssa Lloyd is on the scene uh, and is told by Mad Dog that he's going to enjoy breaking her in. Yeah, so Alyssa Lloyd is played by Nicole Eggert. Uh, she catches the eye of Mad Dog and she goes into the bathroom and we find out that she has some sort of camera in a contact lens, which yeah. apparently also has a microphone, you know. I, I don't know if the size hey, holds Hey, I mean, up. Catwoman had it in the Batman last year, so... That's true, that's true. And um, she decides that the best way to go undercover and to talk to her colleague who's watching via the uh, contact lens is to shout at herself in the bathroom <laughs> mirror rather loudly before someone else comes in to use the bathroom and she leaves. But it's almost as if the guy was waiting for her yeah. to finish in the bathroom. I thought that was quite gentlemanly for these like delinquents. Uh, Mayor Grimbaum is horrified that Mad Dog managed to escape uh, when she has gun scanners everywhere, even at her gynaecologist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's having this rant to Higgins, um, the chief of police, whilst uh, she's having a cigarette and someone's doing her makeup for her. Yes. Um, she finds out that apparently there were plastic guns. Yeah. I don't know if the science holds up. Uh, but yeah, she's getting ready for a press conference, uh, which involves getting her nose hairs trimmed <laughs> and her telling her makeup artist to blend more yes. because she's, <laughs> she's going to be given a, pref- con- uh, a press conference and, uh, not playing, uh, on stage in a fellow. Yeah. Or, uh, Shakespeare. Not sure. <laughs> not sure what she's getting at, but Okay. Uh, she spots two people cleaning her window. She's like, "Ah, oh, well, this is a strange time to be cleaning windows. <laughs> Why are you giving her a Ray West voice? <laughs> She's not far off. Give her Jennifer Tilly. Um, Give her Jennifer Tilly. 
Oh, she's not like Jennifer Tilly. I know, but way over the top. I want to hear it in Jennifer Tilly's voice. Time to be cleaning window. (laughs) The cleaners break in and shoot most of the people in the room, but lucky enough, Professor Jack Crowley's there to save the day. Yeah, he has guns and gets told off for having guns, but apparently it's fine that he has guns. So I'm really not sure if there is the message here, what that message is, because I now think that maybe it is a pro-gun message. No, no, whatever. I'm thinking too much into it, as I usually do. Uh, Mad Dog is absolutely fuming when he's told that Mayor Grimbaum is alive, and he suspects a rat. Um, Alyssa tries to charm Mad Dog after his long time away, And also to get more information from him. To which he replies, just go down on me, make it quick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Somehow this... Seemingly Alyssa's up for doing this, actually. Yeah, well she wants him to take her somewhere more private, but he knows that she has a camera in one of her eyes. So he puts a cigarette out on it and uh, rips out one of her earrings. Yeah, Uh, so she's been sussed. Um, her colleague who she was talking to is apparently in a nearby van. Like, I mean, really Like, nearby. really close by. I don't know the range of this content. <laughs> I really don't understand. So they, the gang find him and then drag him in. And they're forced to play some version of Russian roulette, uh, which her colleague loses. And he ends up shooting himself in the head. Alyssa is then beaten off screen. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Beaten off. She's beaten off screen and left on a fence with a message to the mayor left around her neck. When you say she was it was off screen, I mean literally all we see is she's slapped and then next minute she's tied to a fence. Yeah. And then apparently she's in a critical condition. Like, when what? she's in hospital, you see like proper cuts on her arms. Yeah. It's like really deep cuts. So something's happened off screen. Um I don't feel like Nicole Eggert um agreed to much in this film no like that's the kind of thing you would like i'm gonna keep comparing it to robocop because it should be compared to robocop because if you're gonna rip it off we're gonna make the comparisons (laughs) and obviously that's a very important part of the film is you know murphy's death Mm. You know, it's it's very significant. It's very violent. Yeah. It makes you feel a certain kind of way. But, I mean, her colleague was shot in the head. Yeah, it kind of... At one point, I was like, did they mismarket this? Because when he was taken into hospital and they were like, oh, you know, he's got brain damage. He's still... Could he survive? It's like, oh, is he going to become the cop? Mm. Like, what's... Hardly anything's happened to her. Um, but Spoiler yeah, alert, he survives for a very long he time. He does. Like he could have been the one that they chose. Cause yeah. that, I mean, that is some fortitude mm-hmm. right there. Well, uh, Professor Jack comes storming in, and uh, he wants to know how it's looking. And uh, the nurse is like, "Well, uh, he's doing okay, but it's some serious brain damage." Like, no, not him. I want her. I want to know what yeah. she's like. So he start. He honestly, in a bizarre series of events, he storms into the hospital room. <laughs> He starts shaking Alyssa, who's on her deathbed, literally. And he's just like, you're going to die. You're going to die. We want, do you want another chance to live? Just tell me. Do you want another chance to live? And then her eyes go wide and she dies. And he's like, I understand. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> then photographers storm in and start taking pictures of her. And she's taken away. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I mean, 
I don't think it would hold up in court her no. agreeing to him <laughs> doing what he does to her. I mean, the shock probably killed her of him like shaking her around. So the surgeon in that scene was played by Sarah Douglas. Now yeah. I don't know if it's a, if she was ever famous enough for that to be a cameo, or that was just her role. Do you know what I mean? Because she was in mm. Superman one and two, but she is. You know, I don't think famous for anything else. I don't think she did much. It's probably just a Roland. Maybe. Um, Alyssa's officially dead, but brought back. To, brought she's she's they bring her back to life, and she's taken to meet Professor Jack, and she's like, "Where am I?" And he's like, "Well, where do you think you are?" And she's like, "Am I dead?" Like, you were. Like, oh my god, give her a straight answer. Yeah, like, what, 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 where do you think you are? What the fuck? So she's rocked up into his office, looking like a confused Patsy Kensit in a wheelchair. <laughs> Um, she understandably gets very angry when he won't give her a straight answer. So he then stabs her in the hand <laughs> and it heals straight away. The special effects, considering who this is made by, special effects in this scene is uh, the fucking low rough. Budget. It is low budget though, isn't it? Um, uh, he informs her that despite her assuming uh, dying meant that she had retired from duty, her <laughs> body belongs to the city because she died on the job. Lovely. Um, yeah, he tells her that her partner died. He said there's nothing they could have done for him. Mm. Um, he's definitely not dead. I think he said brain dead. I oh, think okay. we may have misheard. Well, she's, I mean, she's not too bothered either Brain dead. She, she doesn't really care. No. Um, he explains that he's in charge of the Lazarus Project. And she's like, what the hell is that? And he's like, at the moment, you. Like, oh my God, just give her a I fucking know. answer. <laughs> Shut up, be fucking fuming. <laughs> Mad Dog meets with Higgins in a church and it's revealed they're working together. Yeah. Um, bit of a pointless scene, really. Why is he dressed as a... He just... This is the first time that he dresses up as, like, different uh, <laughs> occupations. To blend in certain places. To blend into certain places. <laughs> but, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's camp. It's it camp. is camp. He's dressed as a priest. Um, He's got a Rottweiler as well for some reason. Yeah, well, they threaten, they threaten Higgins into being their new partner. It's like, well, I mean, isn't he already working with I you? thought he already was. <laughs> yeah, I did think that. Alyssa gets uh, a horror culture of a favourite, a lovely training montage. But it's not set to any certain music. Instead, it's set to Jack giving a narration about exactly what's happening. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a montage of Alyssa working out. Flipping repeatedly, um, I'm I'm assuming it's maybe a body double. Um, it wasn't clearly Nicole Eggert. You think if she could do no. that, she'd be quite proud of it and want yeah. to make it clear. So I, I think it's a, a double in a wig, and uh, she's also practicing some sort of combat in a white vest with no bra. Yeah, and you know this is what I came to see, and I want this camp montage. I, yeah. I want, you know, uh, a beautiful woman kicking ass yeah she's given a bunch of fancy high-tech weapons uh and jack brings uh grimborn to his lab to show off Alyssa, and she's very impressed she's like i'm impressed it's got media savvy i think she's got this very joan of arc thing it's and then uh Alyssa starts jolting around like she's having some sort of dream on while she's on the uh high-tech chair and grimborn just looks at her she's like What's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's some, like, religious 
allegories here. I, no, I don't think there's any allegories. But when here. she's beaten and she's on the fence, it's almost as if it looks like she's been crucified. I think that's entirely by coincidence. The <laughs> the word Lazarus or the name Lazarus means God has helped. Mm. She's referred to as like a Joan of Arc thing. Like she's got a Joan of Arc thing going on. Mm-hmm. She's obviously very religious. And then when she's in the next scene, she has visions of Mad Dog and his cat uh, and his gang, plus the devil, and like demon-like creatures, and they're looking deformed. They're surrounded by flames. Yeah, this made no sense as to why she was having these visions. And then she looks out the window in deep contemplation, <laughs> and you know, if anyone. No one follows me on Spotify, but if you did, you'd realise that I love an angsty 90s female playlist. And this is definitely giving me... I mean, the hair's giving me Natalie and Brulia, the it blonde. Is. Yeah. It's giving me angsty 90s female. I'm absolutely living for it. I just... I wish... I wish there was like a Lisa Lowe <laughs> song or a Liz Fair song to accompany this scene is like how dare you this is such a low budget I, I need mean, I needed if it was a few angsty anthem for was, this scene I mean if it was 10 years later it could have been Warwick Avenue by Duffy it could have well, it wasn't raining um yeah it's and I think there's a few religious imagery here and it's mm. it, there's a lot of things not explained yeah and th- this is certainly one of them it's not explained the it whole is. demon thing um, the idea is that she has to rejuvenate. Yeah. Um, so she is technically dead, but the science is allowing her to stay alive and become stronger in the way a sort of diana- a, a dialysis works. Mm-hmm. So it's, re- I think, replacing the blood in her body. So she has to sit on this chair with these giant needles that poke into her and yeah. rejuvenates her and... If she doesn't, then she will rot like mm-hmm. a corpse. So she initially, after this demon nightmare that she has and uh, deep contemplation, she refuses to carry on. And Crowley tells her that she will literally rot if she doesn't go through the procedure each day. She then checks her status on the computer <laughs> and unsurprisingly <laughs> is told that she's dead. <laughs> She then, in <laughs> no spoilers, oh no, no, it's not true. In what? one of my favourite pieces of dialogue, she says to Crowley, I wonder if anyone put white roses on my grave. I love white roses. <laughs> Does it say that on your file? What would it feel like to kiss something that's dead? <laughs> and he goes, I wouldn't know, and walks off. <laughs> I, I thought it was leading to a love story. I was... It needed a love story. I really wanted a camp love story uh, where she's She's an dead. independent woman. Although I suppose he already did that and reanimated, didn't he? She... Well, she's an independent woman. She didn't need no man. No, apparently not. Um, which leads to another bit later on, which I'll bring up. Well, she really doesn't need a man because she visits her, um, her partner, who is still alive, oh, yeah. and uh, just cuts off his life supply. <laughs> Just murders him. It does. And that's after another demon vision that she has. And she, yeah, she kisses him on the lips and then switches his life support off and that's him gone. Yeah. Um, I don't get... This is, this is one... 
thing that annoyed me because I need to understand every single part of the film. <laughs> um, she, I'm not sure what emotional status they're trying to convey with her here. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I don't want to do it. Like, why don't you want to do it? Like, what, what, if it's not the, I know you're having these visions, but we don't know what they mean. So why do you not want to do it? Like, what, what is her emotional sort yeah. of status here? And then she goes for a, a reflective walk <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's wanted posters, isn't there, mm-hmm. for Mad Dog. Is it a million dollars? Yeah. The set the budget design here is it's the awful. Budget. It's really bad. It's really, it's like... Um, the Room. It's like The Room, but also like um, Smelly Cat music video from Friends, <laughs> like in the back alley. And there's posters for the Mayor Grimbaum and, and stuff and yeah. She's starting to... Well, she re- starts to rot on this walk and she's returning to the lab and she kind of looks like a deadite in the face. Mm-hmm. Because she's um, head-to-toe in Adidas. Mm-hmm. Sponsorship, I'm assuming. And uh, she's wearing, like, a crop top. So her midriff is on show and her arms are on show. Yeah. And her face is rotting. But the rest of us looking all right. <laughs> Like her it's arms true. aren't rotting yeah. and her mid her belly button's not <laughs> rotting, is it? Um, yeah. So she she's, uh, I'm assuming now she's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm coming back now. Well, he's like, she's like, help me, and fucking Jack's like, why you have nothing to live for? What's the use? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And she's like, no, help me. Uh, so now she becomes Lady Robocop. Within seconds, she's... Within seconds. Got a sexy montage where she's putting a suit on. Yeah, she's uh, giving us the... <laughs> a little bit of the TNA that maybe we were promised. And she's saucily putting her costume on. And uh, the mask only actually covers her mouth. So that we can see she has her hair done. I mean, she could be rotting. Mm-hmm. She could have the shit kicked out of her. <laughs> she could be crucified on a fence. That hair uh-huh. is still intact. Oh, yeah. That, I, and I mean, it's not just a bit of mascara. I mean, that island, it's snatched. Yeah. It, she's actually got what a lot of the sort of makeup TikTokers and YouTubers <laughs> do now with that proper, like, um, eyeliner going up sort of thing. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's, her face is beat the gods at all times and uh so she's only wears a mask <laughs> over i'm just getting flashbacks to uh valentina take that finger off your face oh that is what it's given it is it yeah. is what it's given uh, also this is 50 minutes into the film and yeah. we only just get her in costume now this is uh, the, the costume is i i know that the idea is that you know it's you don't want it you have somewhat a beauty like Nicole Eggert's and you you aren't going to cover her face. Um, so you just put a mask over the mouth. But it's kind of like, well, what's the point? Like, really, if you've got the technology yeah. to have a contact lens mm-hmm. that does the same thing, why have the mask over her mouth? Yeah. Um, and also, I'm just going to make it very clear, another comparison to Robocop. Um, what's this? Who plays Robocop? Remind me Peter Weller. Peter Weller conveys more emotion, <laughs> and it is not meant to necessarily, but he conveys more character mm-hmm. in that cost that huge costume in Robocop 
then Nicole Eggert manages to <laughs> with a mask with like three quarters of her face yeah. uncovered. <laughs> no offense, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, she's suited and booted. She finds she's some henchmen. Um, one of the guys drops what looks like a fridge, and the main guy is like, "Hey, that's coming out of your asses! Now pick it up, you ugly fucks!" <laughs> So this is Boxer. I don't know why he's called Boxer. I'm assuming he is a Boxer, but we don't see him box at any point. And uh, it's he's played by Joseph uh, Pilato, who, if you remember from Day of the Dead, uh, can give a great camp performance. Because mm-hmm. I, I think he's camp. In I, I mean, it's so over the top. His uh, sort of acting as villains... Um, that it comes off as camp. He's, for some reason, I'm assuming, threatening someone to steal his fridges. I'm assuming. Mm. And this guy has his trousers down by his ankles. Don't stop him from running away, I'm assuming. Um, So Alyssa turns up. Does a camp flip. She does. She... Boxer tries to... He finds a bike... It's very confusing. In some sort of... What what are they called? Shipment container. Shipment container. He finds a bike in there. So she throws a grenade into it. It explodes, but doesn't kill him. That's what I get. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going on. She makes a lot of things explode in this film, just so she could walk away from slow motion. So it looks good in a trailer. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on, but Joseph Pilato commits. Fully commits. And Alyssa is giving flips and kicks. And she starts fighting with a pole yeah. as well. It's it's giving Mortal Kombat, definitely. And uh, he survived this explosion somehow. And uh, she's ready to uh, finish him off. And uh, she says, what's the matter, boxer? Never seen a ballerina with balls before? <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing dialogue. <laughs> But at what point was she a ballerina? <laughs> oh, could you imagine? <laughs> Picture it. The end of Suspiria. <laughs> Jessica Harper turns to the witches and says, what's the matter? Never seen a ballerina with boars before? <laughs> Give I, a crabby cook. I don't... I, what I don't get is, how does he know that it's Alyssa? Like, he's like, oh my God, how is it you? Yeah. It's like, okay, she's wearing a fucking mask. They, uh, you wouldn't kill a boxer, would you? Yeah, but she can. And uh, yeah, she, she, sh- she shoots him. She's like, in a heartbeat. <laughs> but, spoiler alert, for the rest of the film, no one else no. <laughs> in Mad Dog's gang recognises her. No. Apart from Boxer. Everyone else does not recognise no. her. Um, we then get a nice little montage of Alyssa riding a bike. She's shooting stuff randomly and we get some old-fashioned... I mean, this is the superhero part, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, newspaper clippings about the fight against crime by the demolitionist, which is the name she's been given. Also, they refer to her as Demo for short. Demo for short. That is high camp. Her fucking running around doing flips and tricks being called Demo. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> um, 
what is she demolishing, by the way? I, I don't. <laughs> the demo, the demolitionist is a great title. It's a great title for a film. Great title for a superhero. You know, it it's great. But in this context, I'm not sure. Yeah, what I don't she know what demolishing bad guys. I suppose. I mean, I wished it was the patriarchy, but it's not really. <laughs> um, but it sounds good, so let's keep it. it. Also, during this montage, did you notice how the soundtrack was? Desperately trying to be Robocop. Yeah, of course. Desperately trying to go full Robocop. It was like, uh, oh no, can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming they were very fearful of a copyright claim, so they got a little hint of it. What was it? uh, Is it Cruel Jaws? Yeah, Star Um, Wars. They did a little bit of the Star Wars and then had to stop. (laughs) The the press show up at Grimbaum's office for a conference about demo. Uh, Christy leads them and wants to know who the demolition is. Um, she wants to know who she is. She doesn't really find out much, but then gives a really great news report. She's like, so, the question remains. Who is the woman behind the mask of Metro City's crime-fighting phantom? Who is the demolitionist? Viewers are encouraged to dial in their suggestions at one 555 demo Am I really shiny? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I just say, um, Heather Langenkamp looks beautiful in this film. She really does. And and it's the same for New Nightmare as well. I think she just looks absolutely gorgeous. She's serving. She serves in both films. Um, She doesn't serve in a Nightmare on Elf Street, because that's the point. Um, Excuse me. She doesn't... She's not serving... Dream Warriors. She's a a goofy high school... Dream Warriors, she is serving cunts. She serves. She serves. But um, I think in these two films, she she really looks fantastic. And when we finally watch her play Nancy Kerrigan, I'm sure she'll do the same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, she she's given us great news reports, and I was just living for every second of her screen time. Um, Higgins is having a piss at the city hall when uh, Mad Dog shows up, disguised as press this time around. Well, he's not really disguised as press. No, he just has a press. Badge. He just has a press badge. So it's like um, there's a million dollar sort of bounty on him, and his disguise is I'm gonna put a press badge on. And walk around <laughs> for City Hall. He really, Queen. He lights up a cigarette in the bathroom and stares down at Higgins's cock. And he's like, "Hey, you call that a dick? He looks like one, but only smaller." <laughs> I was, I, I was in disbelief that someone sat in a room and wrote, "You call that a dick?" as dialogue for this film. I thought that was okay. It is amazing. Like, seriously, why is this guy given the best lines of dialogue in this film? He really is. Well, they always say, the you know, the villain's the best part. I mean, I watch, obviously, watch wrestling, and the villain is always the, the best part. You're going to say Real Housewives, the best dialogue. Well, it's true for Real Housewives, too. The villain is always the best part. Leah okay. is not the best part of Girls' Ultimate oh, she's Girls' not the, She's not a villain. She's, 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 I don't know what she is, but she's not the villain. I think Giselle's the villain. <laughs> Potster. Anyway, anyway, let's not get into that. Mad Dog <laughs> is... could be here for hours talking about that. Mad Dog is fuming about Demo and wants to plug Paul on her. Higgins suggests that Mad Dog does it because he's the muscle. 
But Mad Dog threatens to shoot him in the dick if he uh, if he doesn't give him some guns. Yeah, a bit obsessed with his penis. He is. Um, Dickmatized, I think, is the word. Yes. Why wouldn't Higgins know that Alyssa is the demolitionist? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he probably should know that. He should probably know that. He's the chief of police. So he'd just turn around and say, oh, it's Alyssa, that woman you killed. Yeah. Um, and it's not really a plot point, no one no. knowing it's Alyssa, really. Um, but it is kind of, it raises a lot of questions. And, it, and again, you know, I ask the question, why did Boxer know, but no one else mm-hmm. know that this is, I mean, how do they know it was a woman if yeah. it hasn't been, you know, I'm just. <laughs> well, I mean, but he's. Um, her breasts are very much on show. Yeah, but, yeah, so someone's seen her. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that Mad Dog's gang has been, you know, she, she's, I don't think she's killing them all. Because, you know, if she's killing everyone she comes into contact with, who's saying this woman's going around, well, you know, who is the demolitionist? I mean, Mad Dog's gang are kind of like the bad guys in the John Wick films. They just respawn out of nowhere. Do, yeah. Like, his gang never gets any smaller, no matter how many of them are killed. It's true. It's true. But I just, I don't see how they know that the demolitionist is a woman, but they can't figure out that it's Alyssa because there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they probably should know it's Alyssa. Well, as we see in this next scene, she's going around doing random acts of kindness. Um, so maybe one of the uh, victims. Yeah. So some thugs literally, I mean, I mean literally pick up a woman um, who had been clothes shopping late at night. Uh, they take her into an alleyway. Demo saves her. And we see this all in shadow form. For some reason. Um, can't actually show it. In a bizarre series of, of events, she walks away from the woman. Just leaves her there. Yeah. Goes to a shop for wedding dresses and shoots a mannequin wearing a wedding dress. Yes. <laughs> so, this this is, the for me, the most disappointing scene of the film. Because, number one, why is this in shadow on the wall? I know. <laughs> like... How annoying. Number two, if you're going to rip off Robocop, shoot someone in the fucking exactly. dick. Iconic scene from Robocop. Just copy it. Just, mm-hmm. just copy it. Have her shoot someone in the dick. She beats them up and just kind of leaves them. Yeah. She doesn't actually kill anyone. No. So they're going to wake... If they wake up before the woman, the poor woman's back in the same position. <laughs> She then has some sort of memory of, I I think, I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's her talking about getting married. Mm. And that's why she's like, oh, I'm dead. I'm never going to get married. And shoots the wedding dress. Yeah. This never brought up again. No. Never brought up again. Never dealt with. Mm -hmm. Just... what was the point? Well, I mean, after she goes back to Jack and she has a rant at him about his fake roses and just goes on about how unfair life is, but that's it. It's, yeah. That's, that's as far as it goes. Yeah. Doesn't talk anything about when she had marriage plans. We don't get any of, you know, again, in Robocop, you get the flashbacks to his memories of his wife. 
We don't get any of that. It's literally just tacked on. It's literally... She shoots a wedding dress in mm-hmm. a window. Yeah. Because she remembers planning a wedding. We, who to? We have no idea. Um, we were told at the beginning that she had no next of kin, which was why she was a good candidate for the Lazarus program. You know, she had no significant other. So this whole wedding thing, I got no fucking clue. No. Um, yeah, so in Metro City Bank, Bazaar seems... Just before, sorry, uh, just to go back a little as well, something else that confused me. Um, when Alyssa and Crowley, they're arguing over the fake flowers or, or whatnot, he says, oh, you've got to be able to control your anger. And I'm like, why has she not been able to control it, apart from the wedding dress? <laughs> which I'm assuming nobody knows about. Uh-huh. How has she not been able to control her anger? <laughs> I, sh- I don't... Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of... It's that thing where they're, like, forcing mm-hmm. a character development. And it's like, oh, don't just, you know, you know, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> you got to show me. You need a bit more. Yeah. So, <laughs> in Metro City Bank, uh, a man is in a bizarre series of events. A man is suggestively licking a lollipop while staring at a child. Why? Um, I mean, they're trying to make it look like every person in Metro City is a bad person. Yeah. But it, it doesn't matter because Mad Dog and his men walk in and shoot the non down. Shoot? Like... <laughs> This is your bad guy. The... Like, why? Because you're a bit like, yeah, good on you, mate. You're yeah. like, oh, wait. No, Surely you're the, you're the bad guy. Demo should be coming Demo should have done that. Um, Are we referring to her as Demo? Of course. Okay, I've got it down as Alyssa. Um, the police and Demo show up to the scene and Higgins orders Demo to stand down, but she's not having it. And she's like, how many people are in there? And he's like, five, maybe six, including Mad Dog. Yeah. <laughs> So why are you saying it like that? Mad dog. Uh, Demo rides into the station. Oh, she's like, fuck this. Takes down all of the henchmen except uh, Mad Dog. He grabs the child from earlier, puts a gun to her head. He's like, oh, it's okay, isn't it? The big bad bitch in black doesn't want to hurt us. <laughs> he puts two explosives in her hands and leaves. So the child looks at that demo and you think, oh, okay, demo's going to take the uh, bombs out of her hand, save the day. Nope. She just fucking leaves. <laughs> leaves the little girl standing there with two bombs in her fucking hands. And I have to say, this girl, the awkward <laughs> kind of look that she gives the CCTV camera, <laughs> which comes back later on as well, is so stupid. It's actually laughable how awkward the acting is. Yeah, the police managed to save the girl and Mad Dog gets away. Um, Alyssa goes home and she tries slitting her own wrist but she just keeps healing and we have to keep seeing that special effect again and again and again. Do, yeah. She's fuming because of leaving the little girl to die so she could go after Mad Dog and she blames Jack for it entirely. She says, I'm just a killing machine. I mean, she's been very much in control of herself before this point, so I don't know where this is coming we from. I have no idea where this is coming from. She actually didn't show that much hatred towards Mad Dog, really. No. Like, no. at the beginning, really, you know, she still realised she knew that Mad Dog killed her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't actually that angry. She wanted to give up yeah. at the beginning, so I really don't understand where this energy's coming from. 
Yeah, um, Higgins calls Christy. Well, Crowley tells Alyssa that it's her own fault as well. It's, like, it's your fault. <laughs> this is this is nothing to do with what I'm doing. It's nothing to do with the science. Science holds up. This is you. This is your own personal shit. Don't get, don't get me involved. And I'm like, okay, I really don't want a love story between these two now. I want her to kill him. Well, Higgins calls Christy and gives her insider information on what happened in the bank with the child. So she immediately, she wastes no time our uh, Heverland camp. She immediately reports on it and broadcasts the CCTV Ooh. footage. Grimball is fuming and she's like, and he's like, uh, Jack's like, you pulled a plug on her and it's just as good as murdering her. She's like, no, it isn't, Jack. She's already dead. Oh my god, that <laughs> delivery. Iconic. What a delivery of that line. So good. Um, she also says, you call leaving an innocent girl to die a setback? Registered voters hate that. <laughs> Registered voters, that's I just, oh, she's so good. I, I do wish she was in the film more. She's so good. Um, and also, you know, how quickly did Christy spill that tea? Like, I know, yeah. You <laughs> Immediately. She spill no that tea, you know. You wouldn't trust her with a secret, would you? <laughs> um, Higgins calls Demo to a car park somewhere. And uh, she shows up and, and she's like... Shouldn't you be eating donuts somewhere? He's like, shouldn't you be dead? Oh. I just... So he knows it's her. Yeah. (laughs) She's cornered by cops, manages to fight him off, and then leaves. Like, she just leaves Higgins there. She doesn't try arresting him or... You did that little bit (laughs) of a disservice, I have to say. Did you miss the bit where she was awkwardly electrocuted? Oh, yeah, she was awkwardly (laughs) electrocuted as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I, I don't want to lay into too much, but that awkward <laughs> electrocution acting that Nicole Eggert was doing, my lord. Just... Uh, and then just walks away. So she knows Higgins is in on it now. But they act as if she already did know. Yeah. Like, it wasn't really a big reveal, because she's, no. she's cunty to him from the get-go. Yeah. And he's shitty to her. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, when was the cat let out of the bag? With yeah. This one. How does, you know, is he... So he knows it's Alyssa, but didn't tell Mad Dog mm-hmm. that it was Alyssa. Alyssa seemingly knows that Higgins is in on it. Yeah. But she hasn't told anyone. Isn't it? Yeah, Jack tells Alyssa that they've pulled the plug and uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to take care of unfinished business. And she's like, how long have I got? Whilst... And then seemingly he has this random leftover stuff. Yeah. And just sort of... The, I thought the whole idea was that it took out and then put back in. But he just kind of pokes her with something and she's rejuvenated slightly, which gives her a little more time. Yeah. Um, while she's on her way to take care of him, finish business, there's another news report on where, uh, and I assume it's, uh, it's Heather again. And she's like, in other news, President Bono calls yesterday's attack on the White House sad. Really, really sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Alyssa's, um, I thought she was at some sort of 
club, but it's a hotel. Yeah. So she's at the hotel. Christie's reporting in the background. And she gets into the elevator with two of Mad Dog's goons. And uh, one of them says, Mm-hmm, ain't you the instant hard-on? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she kills them in the elevator. And she goes up to whatever floor Mad Dog... They, they seem to be doing some sort of deal. I mm-hmm. think it's to kill the mayor, Mayor Grimbaum. And she foils a, uh, the deal going on between uh, a, a large man and a man with an eye patch <laughs> after she pretends to be room service. So there's a knock at the door and they'll do that thing where they all grab guns and like, who the fuck is it? And uh, she's like, oh, uh, room service. And the guy with the eye patch goes, you fat bastard, we're in the middle of a deal. <laughs> to which the guy replies, you one-eyed bitch, I didn't order it. <laughs> You want to bitch? I didn't order anything. I swear I didn't. <laughs> now that's, that's Big Frank, who is played by Andre Rosie Brown, and uh, it's a quintessential "Hey, I know you" because it was bugging me, it was bothering mm. me for a long time, and uh, he was in two episodes of The Golden Girls, including the episode where he plays Michael Jackson's bodyguards <laughs> when Michael Jackson buys a jacket with. Uh, Tickets are one of my favourite episodes, actually. Brother, can you spare a, a dime? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh... That's all they, I mean, that's what you tune in for, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Random facts about yeah. random actors who played Michael Jackson's bodyguard in an episode well, of The Golden Girls. They start shooting the door, but she's not there. Uh, she bursts through the wall and shoots everyone. The one-eyed bitch gets away and uh, Demo shoots him in the ass and chases him on her motorbike whilst blowing up random shit behind her for more dramatic effect. Yeah, this is definitely made for a trailer or, or the TV spot moment. It's like, it's, it's like completely pointless explosion, but it happens and it looks cool and it's going to sell the film, so we're going to keep it in. Mad Dogs managed to... Get his uh, entire gang back together, despite Messon being murdered. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah, because Higgins is selling firearms to Mad Dog and his gang before a raffle takes place. And the winner of the raffle is entitled to kill Higgins. And the winner of that raffle is a recognisable face. Yeah. It's Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell with a cigar and a bandana on his head. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and the, the prize is to kill Higgins and he, he loads a gun and shoots him. He does. Yeah, like that. Simple as that. Yeah. As simple as that. That's done. Uh-huh. Like, why didn't we just have Alyssa do that? I know. Yeah. Like, if you're just going to kill him off in the next scene he's in, <laughs> have Alyssa do it. Uh, the one-eyed bitch returns to Mad Dog and Co with a bullet in his ass, like Gary said. They take it out to much hilarity and they realise it's a tracker. Alyssa's bike appears and everyone starts shooting at it before it explodes, killing the one-eyed bitch, even though he was quite a way away from it. (laughs) Maybe the stunt double wasn't available on that day. And uh, Alyssa drops from the rafters. She does. She kills everyone, including Roland, Tom Savini's Roland and uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, where does she get her outfit from, by the way? Who cares? It's a serve. But... (laughs) She so she turned up at the hotel 
in her casual clothes. Uh huh. Yeah, it's just it just appeared. It just appeared. Yeah. Just it's that superhero thing, isn't uh-huh. it? Where she just spun around in a uh, phone booth, and it happened. Tom Savini's character was originally intended to have a much different death. Um, they actually practiced for weeks before filming. Uh, started for a scene using swords. Mm. Storyboards were created, uh, which showed Savini's character losing his sword and about to be shot. Uh, he reaches for one of the demolitionist's guns uh, that she dropped, and it explodes, killing him as it's designed for her handprint only. Ooh. Uh, but because of time and funds, it was scrapped, and he's just shot along with everyone else. Oh. That's a shame for Tom Savini. I'm sure when he gets a death scene in the film, he likes it to be as good yes. as possible. Well, really, because he he's obviously he he's spent his whole career giving other yeah. people grand death scenes. Um, save some for himself. The last man standing is, of course, Mad Dog. Um, <laughs> and she tells him he's under arrest for murder. And he, that's... The murder of Alyssa Lloyd. <laughs> so he finally realises it's her. And tells her that she looks like shit. <laughs> Uh, he asks her what her secret is, and uh, she doesn't tell him. <laughs> I realised during the scene. Alyssa's secret. Alyssa's secret. <laughs> Why? It's Alyssa's secret. <laughs> That's camp. Uh <laughs> And uh, she doesn't tell him, uh, much like Alyssa Edwards in season five of Drag Race, she doesn't actually explain what her secret is. Uh, instead, she shoots him with the rejuvenation stuff that apparently she had on hand. I don't know where she's keeping all this, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, you know, this suit has pockets. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's got pockets, but she's keeping it somewhere. And uh, she shoots him with the rejuvenation serum or whatever and his fucking face melts yeah well no his entire body entire melts. body but we see his face this melt. is where the entire budget went pretty much <laughs> this is the best effect of the film yeah this was the blu-ray that we own um makes a big song and dance about the film being uncut uh-huh I don't know what was cut. I'm assuming no, <laughs> if any scene was cut, it was this because it's a really great effect. Yeah, it and it's it's a satisfying death scene for our main antagonist. Mm-hmm. A nice melty death scene. Yeah. Uh, Crowley turns up and tells Alyssa that he can save her or let her go, and she asks to be let go. So whatever you decide, I understand. <laughs> and she dies in his arms. Um, Which would have meant more if they'd had uh, a better relationship during the film. Grimbaum is in an orange pantsuit in a lift with Jack. And she's like, 99th floor. Jack, this is a proud moment for all of us. And she takes him to his new fancy office of all his equipment in there. And says it's a pity that Alyssa didn't make it. And he looks down at a white rose. And then Alyssa is... In what I could only assume is Hal. He's in a rusty looking room, which kind of looks like Hal from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, but there's just, there's white roses in there. And then the film ends. No, she puts white roses on her own gravestone. That's where she is, is a, um, which, what would you call it? Oh, what's it called? What's the place that, um, oh, what's that film with the ball that goes around and, 
The morgue. Yeah, morgue. It's the morgue, isn't it? Why has it got orange light? No, what's 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 the film? What's the film? Phantasm. It's Phantasm. Yeah. How embarrassing that I forgot Phantasm. But that takes place in a morgue. Is it called a morgue? Um. Or is it like mortuary? Something. Yeah, like, like that. It, what's that really boring film with Meg Tilly in? <laughs> one one night. One dark night. One dark night. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's it's there. But then but why? She, she puts white why... roses on her own grave. Okay, but then why does it look like it's surrounded by flames? Why is it got an orange light in? Like it's in hell. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's her in hell. Oh. I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> well, do you know what I think they were going for? This might get a sequel. Wow. So we're gonna show her at the end. Uh, yeah, and then we get Demolitionist by Paul Bluebar playing over the end credits. Because if you're going to do a B-movie, you've got to have a heavy metal song at the end of it. You really do. And that's that's the Demolitionist. Yes. What I, I, I'd like to know what people think of that ending, because it's kind of... It, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. No, I, I, really... I think they just wanted to show her so they could set up for maybe a sequel if it did well. Yeah. The Demolitionist goes to hell. Demolitionist 2. Uh, but yeah, no, Demolitionist. it's an absolute fun time had by all, uh, intentional or not. Yeah. To me, this is what a B-movie should be. Yeah. This is B-movie greatness. Mm-hmm. Cheap, entertaining, camp, had a great cast of character actors and cameos from court favourites. It's cheesy. Yeah, it's a total rip-off of many films, most notably Robocop. Robocop is one of my favourite films, so if you're going to rip anything off, you know, at least rip off one of my favourite films. Um, I am disappointed that she didn't shoot anyone in the dick, um, but, you know, you can't win them all. I was a little confused by how much of this film happened at night. I don't know if it's just cheaper filming <laughs> at night. <laughs> And also, did you notice there were so many weird camera angles, like really low, tilted camera oh, yeah. angles no, for so no the camera work reason. Was terrible. Yeah, the camera work and the sound design wasn't great. But I mean, yeah, obviously this isn't a masterpiece. It's not going to win any Oscars. It's not. But it's a fucking entertaining hour and a half. It's, it is just what a B-movie should be. Yeah. It's great. And uh, I'd also like to put my name forward for president of the uh, Susan Tyrell fan club. <sighs> I mean, she has been so consistent through every film I've ever seen her in. She's a highlight in this film. Her delivery is second to none. Yeah. Um. Just, yeah, amazing. It, it, yeah, it's a great film. It, it is so enjoyable. It is. Uh, should we get to the awards? Yes, please. The biggest queen... Um, I put Mayor Grimbaum. I, I did too. Um, it's joint Mayor Grimbaum and Susan Tyrell. <laughs> Same thing. But <laughs> no, but obviously the character and the actress. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, I don't think it would have worked with anyone else. No. Biggest gasp. I have Demo leaving a child with bombs in her hand in <laughs> the back. Quite, yeah. Oh, I wish I would have thought that. That's true. I just put the face smell or the, the body melt at the end. Because I think it had been so bloodless yeah. before that point, really. Best dialogue. I mean, a lot of contenders for this. Too many. But I'm going to have to go with, you call that a dick? 
Uh, I've heard, uh, what's the matter, boxer? Never seen a ballerina with balls before? And that's camp. I give it to every second of Maya Grimbaum and Christy Caruvas screen time. Yeah, I did. I, I gave it to the training montage or uh, Christy, Queen <laughs> Christy. Uh, ratings, I like I said, I, I don't know what the attentions were for this film, so I went straight down the middle and gave it five one-eyed bitches out of ten. <laughs> I gave it six pointless wedding backstories out of ten. Uh, and masterpiece, trash to piece, trash or basic. I'm gonna go with trash to piece. Yeah, I'd say trash to piece. I mean, it is trashy, really. Is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. By design, still works. Yeah, mm-hmm. trash to piece. Uh, it is available on video on demand, or you can get like we have got the uh, German import on Blu-ray DVD. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoyed this, I'm gonna go with the basic and say check out Robocop. Obviously, I think everyone should check out Robocop. Um. Uh, I put, if you enjoyed this, check out Barb Wire. It's very similar. Another Baywatch star doing a more adult-orientated film. Mm -hmm. Very similar in many ways. Technically a worse film, but I think ups the camp trash to pieces. So, yeah, I'd I'd recommend Barb Wire. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Talk to us about the demolition on social media. Please tell us what's going on with that end. And we are Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd. Gazma205 on Instagram. I'm GazCruise92 on Twitter. Wow, someone didn't care about my Twitter. I've got a vendetta against Elon Musk. Um, (laughs) I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And if you haven't yet, uh, get your tickets and passes for Gasp Horror Festival if you're in Manchester on the 17th and 18th of June. We are Gasp Horror Fest across social media. You can find all details on there. Give us a review and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify. We'll be back on Friday with our 250th episode where we are discussing none other than George Romero's The Crazies and its very popular 2010 remake. Yes. Yeah, two good films. And then to what once are in the 250s you know you've got to up that game up the ante make it bigger and better that's why for episode 251 we will be discussing Josie and the Pussycats yes. it's been a long time coming it has it has and I don't know where that's gonna fall no trash cool or other who knows horror Oh, it could be, could be. Tyra Reed's acting, you know. But yes, we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye.